Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners. What can I say? Compliments of the season. This is just the countdown to Christmas. And, um, you know, each year, this just happens. It just happens. It, we are grateful to God for the gift of life. We are here about to celebrate another great season, another great time together. Well, this is your business school on radio. And as always, the school never closes, friends. We are still learning and will continue to learn as long as God gives us the breath of life. And so, We've been looking at a very fantastic topic. I hope you enjoyed the last episode. So this will be a part two, an extension of that. We started by looking at coping with bad bosses and competitive peers. So that was the Tuesday edition. And here we are on this bright, sunny day, looking at the extension of that particular context. So the slant here will be really tilting it in a way that you'll find that bad bosses and peers actually help create good leaders. Do you believe that? Yes, they do. You don't understand that every situation you go through in life is actually shaping you and making you a better person. Yes, not everybody will come out on the other side, but very many who have the right frame of mind, the mindset, will be transformed. Do you think transformation just happens? It doesn't happen because the road is smooth. It happens because there's some rough edges, there's some paved, there's some with stones, there's some with gravel, there's some with sand, there's some with water, there's some with all kinds of things, and then your vehicle goes through. It is when you go through that you'll see the other side, and ultimately, you realize this is a good leader. Oh, this is a great leader. So friends, this is a passage of life. And I wanted to understand that there's more learning to this passage. And I'm giving credits to David James and Norman Walker for creating such an enabling, perfect, you know, pathway to allow us ride upon and share experience. And so in the heat of the moment, when you're seeing what you're going through as bad, I want you to understand that it may seem as if there's absolutely nothing to learn from bosses or peers whom you dismiss as bad or as jerks, give them all kinds of names that are not palatable. I just want you to, again to understand that depending on the kind of situation and company and environment you are in, if you are in a fast-paced company, you'll see there's a certain mentality of the leaders in that space. Leaders typically jump to the bottom line about someone else. That is, they just go, phew, all the way. They say, that guy, this is who he is. Their behavior is so obstructive to what you are committed to accomplishing that you believe the organization should deal with them immediately. They do something so aggravating and make your life so difficult that you are convinced they have nothing to teach you. That's where you have an environment that is toxic, that a few bosses are just plain, blatant, wicked. When I say wicked, you know, you know, in the true sense of the word, they're bad. But are you going to wear this toga and not allow the experience teach you and shape you? One thing I'll say, friends, although they may not be able to teach you directly, indirectly they provide experiences that will serve you well in other leadership positions. And I'm saying that to you, don't write off a peer of yours or your colleague who you feel is cantankerous or a boss that is very vindictive and bad, that has all the trappings we discussed, one that will sit back and be vindictive or erratic or risk-averse. Every single play has a mood. Every single mode has a form of play. There's a format. Like I always say, there's a method to the badness. So let me talk about the few things you can learn if you are in this particular passage. 
What is this passage? How bad bosses and peers or colleagues help create good leaders. What do you need to do? And what do you need to learn? We're getting down to the wire in terms of the year. So as you enter into a new year, rather than stick up all kinds of resolutions, start now to tell yourself, here's what I'm going to do differently. The first thing is how you are going to motivate yourself. How do you motivate yourself? Up until this point, your motivation has largely been very extrinsic, very external. Your boss or your team has set goals that you have achieved. You have worked hard to please your boss or for the good of the team. A bad boss takes away this motivation. That you're so revved up, you're so, you put in so much, you just believe in the team and in the work that the team will do. And then you have this character that's called your boss who just comes with snide remarks, who acts bad, bad, bad. And what happens? Your motivation nosedives. The very notion of making that boss look good through your creativity, productivity, or diligence seems very impossible for you to accept. But one thing I'll say to you, nonetheless, you have to push through this negativity. You know, this negativity is what is drowning you, not your boss. Your ability to filter all that the boss is doing will make you the better person. And then you need to work hard for yourself rather than for anyone else. So when you are then working, you're not working because you want to, you are trying to make that bad person or that bad boss, you know, continue to demotivate you. You're working because you're building the capacity within you. The best leaders derive an intrinsic satisfaction from a job well done. So rather than you working from the externals, oh, people say, oh, ID is a great guy. They see from outside. They don't know that you are a hot potato, that the temperament is a different case. The intrinsics will now begin to turn and put you on a place where you are satisfied with who you are. And that is you being able to say to yourself, I have done a great job. And you feel good. What is this all about? It's an inner drive to achieve and excel. So you're stepping into a new domain, a new year, a new season. Stop looking at the past and dwelling on it. You must learn to motivate yourself. I like the way David puts it. You know, the good book says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. It comes from an intrinsic perspective, not extrinsic. And that drive only comes when you take the chance and the opportunity to rev the engines. The higher up leaders go on the organizational chart as you grow in your career, the more you will discover inner motivation rather than depend on someone else to motivate you. Stop depending on someone to provide the motivation. Fuel your growth. How do you fuel your growth? Make it intrinsic. You need to learn how to motivate yourself to work with peers, even if you find them unsettling. Even if you have colleagues who are inner, who you don't want to see, who you probably don't like their guts, it is just those things are not necessary. You can find all of that and put it in one bin and just throw it away. Have a car park. I tell people, one of the things I do very well is the guest principle. You know what? Every guest must park their cars before they step into the house. And so the first thing I do, when I find someone that is totally out of work and does not align with me, my person, or what I want, I turn him into a guest. What happens with a guest? A guest cannot just come into your house. A guest has to indicate that he or she is coming. And when the guest comes, he starts has to park outside to be announced. So you pack your car, you pack whatever you have, and you must feel a form and be able to say, I want to see so-and-so. I have an appointment. That's what a guest does. So you put that person in a parking lot. But what happens to one who is a member of the house 
it does not bother about protocol. Just walks in. Think about a child. Think about a parent. What is the relationship between your daughter, son, and your good self? They don't make any force about coming into your bedroom. They just walk in. They're not guests. But a guest will have to knock and wait for the answer. A guest cannot get into your house and just walk in. If he walks in without the proper protocol, that person is an intruder. So if you begin to polish your mind and learn how to motivate yourself to work with peers that define unsettling, then you have started a journey of creating a good intrinsic self. Friends, executives who nurture petty feuds with fellow employees end up squandering vast amounts of energy, negative energy. You're just squandering. A lot of you are squandering your good energy and making it bad through infighting and sometimes bad belly jeopardizing their businesses as a result. When you find somebody throwing all manner of mud at you, just be patient. Let him continue to throw. Let him throw. Let him throw. He takes the mud. He throws it on your face. Yes, it will be very painful. It will be very disconcerting. It will just make you feel terrible. Guess what? The more more the person throws at you and you are able to resist, the more he feels that he has not hurt you enough and he keeps coming at you and you are in the same workspace and you do nothing. Time will tell. What is that? The mud, after a while, will get dried up. And all you need to do is just to flick. By the time you flick, it gets off. You flick, it goes off. You flick, it goes off. You little effort. By the time you get under the shower, anyone that sees you will not even remember you are the one that was more slinging, was on top. So there are ways in which we can stop squandering a vast amount of energy through negativity. Do you know that there are different kinds of feuds at different levels? At senior levels of business, the kind of feuds that you find are such that they are so personal in origin, but very costly and extensive in their impact. Let me give you an example. You have two senior executives who are going through a feud in the business, and these guys are board members or executive directors. Trust me, it's not about those two guys. You will see what would happen within their organizations. Their teams will begin to find themselves. There will be all kinds of fights. They will be antagonistic of each other. Simply because the two guys at the top are not in talking terms or don't like each other's guts. That is the impact of having, having all such feuds at the top. And these are the kind of things that have also impacted some fantastic mega organizations. You know? Once upon a time, this used to happen in the likes of Disney, Hewlett Packard, Dimla Chrysler. I'm talking about American companies. Now, if I bring in the Nigerian companies into it, you'll just be shocked. Let me talk about the foreign ones so that we'll keep it foreign. But if you check within the environment very well, even your office, just look through. Go to the banks. Look at one bank. Run from one bank to the other. Once two senior executives are at loggerheads, what happens to your departments and huge impact, huge, because they take on personal, personal actions in origin, but they are costly and extensive in their impact. More significantly, executives who regularly feud with others find it difficult, if not impossible, to motivate themselves to work hard with a bad peer to achieve a common goal, and sometimes they resort to what I call boardroom brawls. You'll find legal fights. There are other underhand tactics. There are several things that are done as a matter of course. But you know what? Great leaders, however, motivate themselves to work well. Even with people they find detestful in order to achieve what? a common objective. Just look at what is happening within our political stratosphere. Every time you have two men 
at loggerheads, the state suffers, the citizens will suffer, the people will suffer. And yet, I just ask myself, these two men, these two gladiators, can't they see the impact of their personal foolishness? That's what it is. But you know, at the end of the day, when you go deep down, it's led by filthy lucre, the grasp of power or money. Power, money. Why? Power is transient. That you have power today does not mean you'll be in power tomorrow. There's always that sphere of control. I want to be in control, control. But influence is a lot more powerful than controlling. Sometimes people don't know, but great leaders know how to motivate themselves to work well. Even if you find a man or woman very detestful, you must find a way to work with such in order to achieve what? The common objective. If the common objective is to bless the citizens of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, we don't have to be friends. But I say that even in corporate, while I used to work, I'll tell my fellow directors, I said, listen, you and I don't have to be friends. We don't have to be yum yum. No, but let's focus on it, IT. It is the job. It is the objective. It is that we want to deliver X million cases. It is that we want to deliver X million profit to our shareholders. So it doesn't matter whether you like ID's face or not. It doesn't matter if I don't like your face. Those things don't happen. Matter. Let us come down and work. When we finish, everybody goes home. But when it comes to this, it, it must take charge. Why? Because I have long ago learned the important lesson that peers and colleagues come in a variety of forms. Some to liking, others not. But that personal preferences cannot obstruct business goals and objectives. Great political leaders are often able to forge alliances with other leaders whose politics and values they disdain. But circumstances require it. I mean, Nigerian politicians are not the best to follow if you want to talk about great political leaders. But when you go back in time about our forefathers, the generations of the Awolowos, the Amino Kanos, you know, the Balarabe Musas and all, you realize that there were men who fostered alliances, forged the point where politics and values would never bring disdain. Friends, when a feud erupts, or worse, finds its way into the boss's office, to the boardroom, to the media, to the association, nobody wins. Everybody gets a pang of it. Whether you think you are participating or not participating, you are at a loss. And so how do we cohabit? How do we work together without necessarily having to hurt each other? A bad boss, a bad colleague, a bad peer can actually be the generator. I use that word very, very emphatically. That is the person that would generate the motivation that you need. Because you don't look at the outside, you start from the inside. You put a barrier, you cover yourself up. Now, I know that Mental health is very key. Let me qualify that and balance it. I'm not saying to you that if you have been abused, if you have been abused emotionally and otherwise by your boss, that you should stay and stick in there. If you know you cannot handle that mental health-wise, take a walk. But I also will tell you that if you do not build some kind of resistance internally, what if you then meet a higher degree down the road. Every situation that we have or encounter with people is just God's way of telling us and preparing us for the better part because down the race of life, you're going to meet such people again and it is how you countered and encountered that particular demon or devil in the past that would allow you right through the storm in the future. But if you keep running, how many races are you going to run? If you keep taking flight, when are you going to sit down to fight? And fighting here, I'm not talking physically. I mean, I'm saying just sitting toe-to-toe -to, -toe to the devil and saying to the devil, 
leave the front, leave my side. It is written. So let's look at a second point here. Remember, I'm talking about what are those things that you can learn from this passage when you're going through extreme cases of bad bosses and bad colleagues or peers. Now, the second point here is how do you work in a system where you are not protected? You know what? When you have a good boss, you are protected to a certain extent. Honestly, if you have a good boss, your boss protects you. It's a shield. By protected, let me explain. I mean that your boss can provide you with information, with resources, with advice from the next level, and insights when you really need them. And most times, your boss will be able to take on, you know, full chest, will take on some of the blues that will come, and then subtly passes the rest to you in a very subtle but pampering mode. Good bosses will intervene if you're having problems with someone else in the company. They'll come in there, especially if they see it and they know it, they'll come. And if you go to them, they'll also step in. They will advise you on resistance and potential reaction from others. A good boss will go over to the other side and go there to intercede for you, pacify them, come back to tell you, this is what I've said to them, and this is what they are planning on doing, but I think this is the way you need to go. What a good boss does is generally he or she keeps you out of harm's way. This is fortunate. But it can also prevent you from learning how to operate without a protector. So if time you have a boss that protects you, you will never learn. As a result, you end up being dependent on your boss, and that may prevent you from learning how to resolve difficult situations on your own, or even forming your own arsenal or defense mechanism. Independent networks without your boss. Sometimes you don't need your boss. You need to face the fire so that you build your own independent network outside of your boss. Yes, your boss is there, but your boss will not be there forever. In fact, I've seen a situation where good leaders struggle when the strong boss leaves the scene because the boss has not only served as a mentor, but as a protector. That's why when they want to move on to other roles or they get promoted and they're leaving either the company or the association, you just feel that a great part of you left. No. What they've done is to create the beauty of during that period, especially if you allowed you know, them to you know, walk like the eagle. The eagle will take the young one at some point and take it to the height and drop it. Then he will make sure he extends the muscles so that the wings can flap well. With bad bosses, however, we, we have often seen the opposite. Leaders are forced to figure out how to plug into the organization. If you have problems, you have to solve them by yourself. You learn the hard way. Now, this comes when a company does not have a proper system and you don't know how a company really works. You don't even understand how to forge alliances. You have no idea about resource allocation. You don't know political networks and, and unspoken rules. These are the things that happen because you may not have an idea of how the company operates. Do you know that CEOs and other senior executives are inherently vulnerable? No one protects the CEO. No one protects them or intervenes on their behalf. Rather, they're exposed. To be effective, they must be able to work the system. That's why, you know, the job of a CEO is not easy, my friend, or president, or... Anybody at the top, it's not easy because you are the one exposed. You are the one that has to work the system. And so what am I saying to you? Being politically savvy and having strong networking skills are essential. You need to be politically savvy. If you're not, you're dead meat. You also need to understand the people's skills are key. People acquire these skills when they have, most times, when they have a bad boss. If you have a very good boss, you will not be politically savvy. A good boss will be pampering you and protecting you and mentoring you. You will be like an agric, agric chicken. 
a Greek foul. You'll just be blowing. Small breeze, you go fall. But if you have a bad boss, you'll be like a traditional village chicken. Lean, mean, weather beaten, but you know how to survive. That's when political savviness, that's being political savvy. Sometimes it's good to have the environment, the bad boss will make you be, become politically savvy. You know how to build your own independent network. You will know how to move. So sometimes not all that comes as bad is bad. It actually turns around to transform you to be great. Friends, we'll come back in a short while. Uh, let's pay some bills and then we'll continue from where we stopped. Don't go away. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, dear friends, and uh, it's your business school on radio. It's Navigate with ID and Angandan. This is a beautiful season. For those that are just joining, I bid you welcome and compliments of the season. Christmas is just, you know, around the corner. I hope you have all the necessary tools to make it a glorious Christmas. Well, if you don't, we are here. School is in process and in progress, and welcome. This is our business school on radio on this beautiful station, and we welcome you. And for those who are still listening on, thank you for, you know, standing the time. Well, we've been looking at a very interesting topic, and that has to do with how to cope with bad bosses and colleagues or peers. But then we took a different slant saying that, really, that these environments where you have bad bosses, bad colleagues, actually help create good leaders. And then we had some learning points across this particular passage. So you're going to a passage where you're being inflicted by what you feel is a bad boss syndrome or bad colleagues or bad peer syndrome. Well, what do you learn? Take the lessons from this passage. Number one, you will learn how to motivate yourself. And number two, you will learn how to work in a system where you are not protected. There's a positive to every negative, but don't dwell and don't stay in the negative. And so the third point that we are stepping in is really telling ourselves the truth. And the truth is how not to be a boss or a peer. And you're wondering, okay, what does that mean? Well, thanks to David, uh, Dolly, James, Noel, and Norman Walker, they kind of spelled it out for me, and I'll share that with you with a list of some experience. A negative example is a great teacher. Now, if you ask a veteran executive to recall some of the memorable people he or she has worked with, he or she will sometimes name more than more bad bosses or peers than good ones. When we ask senior leaders to identify a critical development experience in their career as leaders, they often cite a bad boss who taught them what they didn't want to become as a leader. So what it tells you is that you can get coaching from people who have different kinds of you know, attitudes. You can feel it's negative coaching. And... Um, that negative coaching could also force you into being into a spiral of being a better leader and a better person than you were. What I'm saying is that these individuals have a tremendous impact on people's work lives. And over time, this impact is often more instructive than destructive. This passage helps leaders become aware of their bosses' derailers. So, Every boss has his own weak point, which makes them more conscious of their own potentially fatal flaws. It is very difficult to perceive how your own arrogance or overly cautious behavior is hurting your performance as a leader unless you observe this negative impact in others, preferably in your own boss. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. You have seen how your boss's derailer hurt his career and you are not about to make the same mistake. That's why I said one passage or one learning in this passage 
is how not to be a bad boss or a bad peer. A bad boss or a colleague or a bad colleague is a reverse role model. One you can use to guide yourself away from counterproductive actions and attitudes. Friends, to take advantage of these learnings, I would like to put forward the recommendation by David, James, and Noel. And the recommendation follows certain steps. Step number one, that you choose an interpersonal strategy to manage the relationship. If you work with continuous hostility towards your bad boss or peer, you are not going to learn much of anything. In fact, you will not learn anything. Therefore, you should choose a strategy that helps you cope with a difficult situation. Doing nothing is certainly one option, but what I'd like to offer is some other alternatives that may help you. Ask yourself, why has this particular teacher appeared on my career path at this moment? Why has God chosen to give me this kind of boss at this moment in my life? Viewing your relationship with a negative person as a teachable moment rather than something to be endured or overcome will open you to a new possibility of managing the situation, including changing both your reactions and your responses. And the question you'll ask yourself is, what can I learn here? And that can be replaced by, how can I get rid of this person? So whenever you're in that kind of space, you need to change or choose an interpersonal strategy to help you manage the relationship between these feuding parties, that is you and or a bad boss or peer. Talk to your boss or your colleague or peer about the problems you're having. What you do is, you know, if you go back to what I talked about as the continuum, you'll find that at the stage of annoying that you move to flawless, the risk averse, and ultimately unethical, you know, you must consult that continuum before opting for this approach. If your boss is on the far right of the continuum, that he is talking about being unethical, talking isn't going to do much good. If, however, he's on the left side, and that is at the spectrum of annoying at the beginning or flawless, and he's a relatively reasonable individual, underline that, then it may be worth having a heart-to-heart conversation. I am saying that you must check the continuum where your boss is at that point in time if he's at the extreme right, which is unethical and ready to throw the sink and everything at you, someone who does not value family or has does not have values or anything, talking to that kind of person will not do you any good. But if the person is on the left side, which starts with, you know, he or she does things that annoy you, that just gets you a bit off, then that kind of person can be talked to. You can... You can actually find, you know, that this person will listen. Then a heart-to-heart conversation will work. It is very difficult to level with a boss whom you find annoying, but it may be worth the discomfort if an honest conversation reduces the annoyance level. So apart from talking to your boss or peer about the problems, there's a second option that you can try. Confront your boss or peer. In other words, you can push back. I use this strategy a bit more. I push back. Rather than just talk, communicate that you can't accept the way he's treating you and that things need to change. Open your mouth and tell him or her, Madam, I beg you, please, you can't continue bullying me. You can't continue doing this to me. I'm a human being. This approach is more risky than just talking, but sometimes people need to see that you are angry or upset before they will be willing to consider changing their behavior. Now, what is the next thing you could do if you see that you have this recalcitrant boss? Then I'll say to you, another alternative is to go above your boss's head. And what does that mean? 
tell your boss's boss about the problems you are having. Otherwise, you'll die in silence. Yaba left will not be your portion. Mental health issues. You start getting sick. You start attending clinic more than you ever did simply because your bad boss is tormenting you. Do you need the torment to continue? No. Go over your boss's head. Tell your boss's boss about the problems you're having and ask him to intervene. Ask him to help. This action may escalate the tension between yourself and a bad boss to unacceptable levels because you say, you went to report me. What is the worst that can happen? That they fire you. Okay? But you have your health intact. A living dog is better than a dead lion. When you keep quiet and it keeps hounding you, mutilating you, and you go sick over and over, you develop BP issues, and the next thing, God forbid, your enemy kicks the bucket, that boss will go about doing the same to other people. Somebody needs to call him out. Sometimes it takes a sacrificial lamb to make things straighten out for others. You could be that lamb. That you get up and say, enough is enough. What's the worst that can happen? You get fired. Now, people that are afraid of getting fired is because they don't have content. But if you build your content well, that you are the man or woman that everybody in that place, they need. You are the go-to person. They will pamper you. They will pamper you. Trust me. They will call your boss to order. And there's nothing your boss can do because you ride the wave and you ride the tide. That's how you are building the muscles for that particular storm. Eagles, they soar. Why? Because the muscles are trained to go through. Not every bird can go at that altitude. So if you want to grow in your career and also take on responsibility, be ready to take on some bosses who are just sheer evil. Confront them. I have had to do it in the course of my career. They have not had many evil bosses, but one or two that tried to, you know, do whatever, I gave it to them, old clan thinker. And giving it to the person, not being rude. I'm not saying go fight your boss. I'm saying approach it from a very superior, mature, yet strategic angle. You must have somebody that will whisper to. And I've taught you guys the triple A principle, the three A's. You must know your advocates. You must have allies. You must have acquaintances. A lot of you just bury yourself with acquaintances. And when issues happen, your acquaintances are as good as yourself. You guys are at the bottom of the chain. But when you have allies, they are the ones that will stand with you toe to toe. But when you have an advocate, someone that can just stand up and say, that's my beloved son. Don't touch him. He walks away. So have you built relationships that will give you a triple round? That will give you rest, relaxation, and rejuvenation? If you haven't, the power of it is in people. Respect people and you will get respect. People will cite you. There are bosses that want to befriend you because they've seen that you carry one thing that they want and they don't have. Good manners. Many of us, especially the young ones now with their I don't care attitude, they just get saucy and insulting. And who's going to cover you? If your boss is flogging you, don't, just look the other way. Go to your bygone. That's what the person will say. This one is very rude. Not well brought up. The lacks HT, home training. Many young people go around now with, with, pretending that they don't even have anything called HT, home training. And so when they have issues with their bosses, everybody looks the other way. What do you concern me? But you can be the different one in the pack. That you are young, that you have energy and drive does not mean that you'll be foolish. Remember, organizations are not particularly responsive to complaints about bad bosses. They tend to back the boss rather than the direct report. Hear me and hear me well. So you need an informal structure that will help you deal with that formal structure. Because if you have an informal setting, independent network outside of there, you have an Egmont outside that can call your boss to order. That Egmont will be your boss's Egmont. That one will call him and say, why are you treating my bro that way? That's an advocate. But do you build advocates? No. You abuse everybody because you have social media. One day to turn to media social because you'll be the one at the forefront of the war and there'll be nobody to defend you. Yet, I'll say, it may be a risk you need to take 
to deal with an intolerable situation. Don't be afraid to go above your boss if he has tormented you to the point where you know enough is enough. There's also another option, quitting. Quitting is a big option, but it's not always the best one. I will say this to you, quitters don't win. But you can quit if it is really impacting on your health, then quit. But if it's not, stay in there. Stay there and slog it out. And then have creative juices as to how you deal with it. That's why I talked about choosing an interpersonal strategy to manage the relationship or relationships. If you have great market value, trust me, and your family situation or lack thereof allows you to quit and find another position, this may be the right thing to do. But on the line, you have great market value and your family situation, maybe you're a bachelor, that's okay. But if you have responsibilities, you have to balance that with your market value and say, yes, I'm doing this because I want to be alive to be able to take care of my family. Then go ahead. It allows you to quit and find another position. That may be the right thing to do, especially if you have an unethical boss. Who is an unethical boss? The one that does not appreciate family, does not have any values at all. Who is ready to throw away the sink? Whose values are nothing but just mere sheer tissue paper, worthless. Why? He's ready to go against the rules of the company for himself and do things and without respect to persons. That's not the kind of boss I want to work with. We find that the situation often repeats itself and some people are surprised to find their new organization filled with the same proportion of negative players as before, often because they have taken their own existing frame of reference along with them. What this is saying and what I'm saying to you here, when you quit from one place and you jump into another, you will get in there, you now find the same proportion of negative players are also there. What do you do? You quit again. You know why that happens? Because people carry their junk with them and when they go, they lay eggs. The eggs they lay are the junk that they brought from the other place called culture, called values, and then it begins to grow. And they come out as full-blown chicks and then later become a brood. And then the brood becomes a pen. And then and the beat goes on. Friends, let's step into step two. Ask yourself what your reaction to a boss or peer says about you. What this is saying is that too often people focus on all the bad things that a boss or peer has done to them. Rather than consider why this boss or peer has evoked such a strong reaction in them. Certainly, there are times when the problem is completely external to you. An underhanded, cruel boss is underhanded and cruel to everyone. Most of the time, though, people's perception of badness vary. What you consider bad is not what I consider bad, but it's already bad. They say, mm, it's a bit bad. It's already bad. Bad is bad. And it is often due to the chemistry of a particular relationship. You can find people nursing badness because of the different levels and what they want out of it. A volatile boss may seriously affect a direct report who is unaccustomed to volatility, whereas another can easily adapt to changing moods. Let me give you an example. A child that is brought up in Ikoi and a child that is brought up in a jegule, if both of them have a volatile boss, who do you think will be more affected? Ikoi, Ajabotani. But the other one is used to people stoning him in boundary and in a jegule, and he will return fire for fire. But the inbuilt mechanism has allowed one to be tougher inside than the other. Parents allow your children to express themselves and sometimes let them be able to see and experience the world. Because when they grow, as they grow in the workplace and in their careers, and they meet certain elements that are called bad bosses or bad colleagues, if they don't have any inbuilt mechanism, they'll crumble. And when they crumble, they're gone. Sometimes it's good to throw the child out there while you still hover around to protect and guide. You may have a lot of problems with a hyper-competitive peer 
somebody who is hyper, your colleague who is hyper competitive, whereas someone else may have no problems with this intense desire to win or even perceive it. Because again, the kind of household they are coming, again, let me paint the picture so you can understand what I mean by hyper competitive peer. You have an Ajabota who's come from a very comfortable family. When they want to serve breakfast or lunch, they serve in a plate. You have yours, breakfast. Mommy serves you in a plate. And lunchtime, we all take, you know, family time, dinner time. We all sit around the table. You pick what you want. Nobody rushes. There's enough food. Now, look at another family where they put one bowl and there are seven guys around. Oh, boy, everybody. Now, wait till you chop. Now, imagine those two being confronted with competitive nature. One will be hyper-competitive because he or she has been built in to survive because one small bowl of rice and seven children, you use ten fingers, you even use your tools to carry some and keep. But the other one is scooping, ajebota. So when it comes to the workplace, you may have a lot of problems with a hyper-competitive peer, whereas someone else may have no problems with this, with his intense desire to win or even perceive it. It's because of upbringing. So many times, upbringing actually frames and shapes the future of people, but they don't know. Taking time to reflect on your reaction to a bad boss or your colleague or peer and talk with a business coach. You see, we are in the era where you need business coaches. I'm not using this to, to sell my, 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 my occupation or what I do. Yes, I'm a business and leadership coach. This is part of it. But I'm saying to you that a lot of you need coaching. You need to pay for it. Go and set out times. If you come to Corporate Shepherds, we will give you sessions that you will sit and interact with me or any other faculty that will help you. Because, trust me, if you're sick, you need to go to the hospital. You need to go see an expert. You need to go diagnose what could be the problem and also the solution will be granted so that you can have a free flow. Once health is impacted, then you are in trouble. That's the same thing about business. When you're going through all of this, take time to reflect on your reaction to a bad boss or a bad colleague or a bad peer and talk with a business coach about your reaction and let this person help you learn a lot about yourself. But on this context, I'll say to you, ask yourself the following question. Number one, does this individual remind you of someone from your past? Number two, does this person remind you of something in yourself that you don't like? It may be that there's a particular type of person you have trouble working with. If you have higher leadership aspirations, you cannot afford this blind spot. It will deal with you in the future. Or rather, you need to be aware of it and manage it. Think about why you cannot stand arrogant people. Perhaps because you have tendencies in that direction yourself. You know, if people live in self-denial. They tell you, mm, this guy is too arrogant. When you know yourself, your arrow, your own arrow is more than Gant. Your arrogance personified. So you'll see it. You can spot the gorilla in another person, but you know that the forest belongs to you. You can also look at it and think about why indecisive bosses make you crazy. Perhaps, just perhaps, because you are an impatient person. Your strong negative reaction to a boss or peer may tell you something about your own weakness as a leader. So all of this is about you coming inwards, introspection, friends. Introspection is a great key to dealing with all these monstrous tendencies and things that could take you out. What is the third step as recommended by David, James, and Norman? Define your values. It is possible that you cannot stand your boss or co-worker because they do things that violate your values and beliefs. This one, I don't know how to mix it because I define my values. I've left one very top job in the past simply because the values of the organization and my own values were not aligned. And I walked away. Now, many people don't know why, but I walked. 
it is very possible that you cannot stand your boss or co-worker because they do things that violate your values and beliefs. They may cut corners to get projects done fast or treat their own people or their direct reports poorly. Whatever it is, use their actions as a catalyst for determining what you really believe in. I will tell you one thing that I've been taught by my father in the faith and mentor. If you want to know that a stick is crooked, put a straight one beside it. So whatever it is, use all of their actions as a catalyst for determining what you really believe in. Great leaders have strong beliefs. And this is a chance to think about and solidify the principles to which you are there and believe in. Don't let anybody fool you. And I want to close by saying that you must understand why reaction is what counts. People typically feel sorry for themselves when they have bad bosses because they feel deprived and let down by their organization or they suffer at the hands of an authority figure. They react angrily when they have competitive peers because they feel threatened. They feel challenged or vulnerable. Some may suffer loudly, others suffer in silence, but their dominant reaction is emotional pain. This reaction doesn't facilitate learning. And all I've said to you, friends, just as I've noted in all of these passages, it is not the event itself that harms careers, but people's reactions to the event. You can choose to be miserable or you can choose to make the best of a difficult situation. Making the best of it means viewing your bad boss or peer as a teacher on your path rather than as an obstacle. Well, friends, what a good place to, you know, shut down this particular window. And then when we come back after Christmas, we'll be able to say, this is a new pathway we are taking. Thank you for listening. Once again, a Merry Christmas to you all. Stay good, stay cool, and love to your families. God bless you. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.